Major Lindsay in Africa presents Between the Legal Lines, a podcast focused on leading women lawyers who have pushed beyond the boundaries and found success. Welcome to Between the Legal Lines. I am your host, Andrea Bricka. This podcast is a series of monthly interviews where we explore how women who happen to also be both executives and lawyers, navigate the boundaries placed upon them due to their roles and their demographic. These women have found success, despite those sometimes very narrowly drawn lines that govern what is acceptable and what is not. And each month we hear a new story from a different woman about what that is like. Joining me today is Casey Johnson, General Counsel and Chief Administrative Officer at Terminus, Casey, welcome to Between the Legal Lines. Thank you for joining me today. And could you just please start off by telling us who you are, about your current role, and how you got there? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Very excited to be here. Um, As you said, I'm Casey Johnson. I am the new General Counsel and Chief Administrative Officer for Terminus Software. Terminus is a software as a service company based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Essentially what we offer is an account-based marketing software product that we sell on a B2B basis to help marketers and sales teams drive sales to the right target audience and the right clientele at the right time to increase revenue for businesses. We've been in business for about nine years now. We have several offices actually around the world, primarily based here in the United States, but we've just opened our first EMEA office and we're also expanding into India and several other international destinations as well. So we've got a lot going on as do many SaaS companies and it's a very exciting time to be in software and certainly to be in B2B account-based marketing. So I've been with the company now for uh, about two months and really, really excited to be there and to kick things off and get the legal department set up and ready to roll. So tell us a little bit about your journey to this role and how is it different from other roles that you've held in the past? Absolutely. So I started my practice in private practice and spent about a decade in large and mid-size national and international law firms. And while I was there, I was fortunate enough to begin a practice representing startups and high growth companies as a fractional general counsel, essentially consulting with them to help them get established, raise funding, really get going as businesses. And in that work, I really found a passion for the in-house opportunities for the legal department and really prioritized and loved the strategy, the business, and being on the front end of all of the pieces of legal that you don't get when you are in private practice as outside counsel. So I made the move formally to go full-time in-house as a general counsel oh, I guess call it four years or so ago now. And then about six months ago, got this incredible opportunity with Terminus to come and join as their first general counsel and really to help them scale the legal department and build out the function as we think about the next version of Terminus and who we are in this very hot market 
with software as a service. So I came on with Terminus as the general counsel. And as the story goes in these hypergrowth companies, opportunities abound. And shortly after I got there, I had the opportunity to take on the chief administrative role as well. And so here I sit today wearing a couple of different executive hats and really just excited to be with a great company, fantastic culture, fantastic product, and a really big opportunity in front of us. So tell us about that, the holding two roles. You've done that in the past, and how do you balance kind of a business role and a legal role in an organization? I have, and it's a, it's a great question. In many ways, I think of in-house counsel and the general counsel in particular as a business counselor, really a business strategist from a legal background who gets into the executive room and helps guide discussions around strategy with this eye on legal issues, eye on risk, eye on assessment and the like. So it's quite natural really for the general counsel to be exposed to all of the different business initiatives, the different operating departments within an organization. And there is a trend toward creating these larger spheres of opportunity and spheres of responsibility for general counsels because of their closeness to the different business units. So in the past, it has really essentially worked exactly like that, where the CEO is looking for a great leader who has really good instincts, who can you know issue spot and who can guide the business forward. And that's exactly what happened here, you know, coming in as the general counsel and starting to see the forest through the trees and really understand what's going on in the business and where there are areas of strength and areas of opportunity. And through that analysis and close relationship with the CEO, albeit very quick, the CEO identified an opportunity to expand my role and to allow me to serve both in a business and a legal capacity. Obviously, to do that effectively, you have to have really good teams in place. I can't be in all places at one time. So I have to trust my deputies, trust the leaders of the teams that sit underneath my organization to be experts in their craft. And my job is to guide strategy, both for the legal team, of course, but for the broader business initiatives as the chief administrative officer. Has there been any one person that's been particularly helpful in your career to get you to where you are today? Well, there have been many, actually, and there are a core group of women that I consider uh, friends, mentors, sponsors. These are women that I've been close to for several years and certainly since moving in-house who have charted the waters and the course before me. And they've really been fantastic about raising me up, helping direct me, figuring out what organizations I should get involved in, where I should be spending my time, who I should be creating relationships with, things to watch out for, opportunities to raise my hand for. And it's this core group of women mentors who also happen to be general counsels that I've really leaned on and really gotten close with over the last several years as I've begun my journey as a general counsel and now as both a GC and a business executive. So there are several that have been really, really instrumental and really, frankly, many beyond that who have come in and out of my professional life at different times, key times to help me become the business person that I am today. 
And I would assume that they probably played a role in helping you change jobs during an unprecedented time. Talk about that. What was it like changing your jobs during the pandemic? Yeah, it, it's interesting. The pandemic is being um, coined in, in business settings as the great resignation in the sense that employees are departing their employers at rates you know never seen before. Attrition is as high as it gets. And, you know, similarly, recruiting is as busy as it's ever been. So as many people were transitioning their careers during the pandemic, this opportunity presented itself to me actually through a professional mentor. And it was an opportunity that really was too good to pass up and has proven to be certainly true. And but for those mentors and those relationships, really, my resume would have just been another resume in a stack of resumes as people exit and change jobs. So it's that closeness to your mentors and to your network that I think really opens doors that might not otherwise open and creates opportunities to continue progressing my career and continue to, you know, resultingly help others underneath me progress their career. So certainly hugely appreciative of the opportunities that my professional mentors and professional network have opened to me. What have you learned about leadership? You've mentioned your teams. What have you learned about leadership during this crisis that has resulted from the pandemic and COVID? I think uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic has tested business leaders at the highest level. It certainly has for me in the sense that early on in the pandemic, I had to execute on a large company riff a reduction in force that really uh, you know tested me emotionally tested me from a stamina perspective and really required me to question my you know the the leadership tenets that found our company and found us as an executive team because when you're making big people moves like that that are truly crushing for you know so many different people you have to be strong as a leadership team and strong as an individual leader to be able to execute on that know you're doing the right thing for the business, but also do the right thing for the people who are exiting the business because of a circumstance that was really beyond any of our wildest dreams. So uh, if there's anything I've learned about leadership during such a tumultuous time, it's that you have to be really confident in what you're doing, really trust in the people who are around you and really lean in to where you're thinking about things bigger than what's happening tomorrow or the day after. And you're planning for a future that comes out of this crisis, but mindful of the impact that it makes on the people along the way. So it's taught me that leadership is a long game. It's a constant um, education. It's a constant evolution. At the end of the day, great leaders eat last and they prioritize the people around them first. And I think that's the biggest lesson I've taught myself and that those around me regarding leadership as it pertains to this pandemic and the crisis we've all been in. So turning a little bit more now to a, being a woman in the workplace, being an executive and a lawyer, what, if anything, do you wish you were freer to do or say at work? And if there is anything, why can't you? Hmm. <laughs> it's funny. I was just having this conversation with my husband just around compensation philosophies. Under my new chief administrative officer role, I've inherited the people and culture team, which candidly is 
perhaps the most exciting for me because I love people and culture. And, and one of the, the tenets inherent is that in that is mentorship and sponsorship of other young uh, women professionals who are looking to make their way to the leadership table. And I was talking to my husband about uh, compensation philosophies and compensation data and just how how still today there is disparate treatment of men and women regarding compensation. And I was saying to him how I always teach and preach to those that I mentor, don't be afraid to put your hand up to say, A, I want this opportunity. And B, if you give me this opportunity, I want to be compensated fairly for it. Those two things run in tandem. And I think women are, you know, getting better about raising their hands and saying they want opportunities, but there's still this resistance to saying I'm worth this. I deserve this. And I want to be paid this. And I don't think that's true, at least largely true of sort of our male professional counterparts. I think they're willing to put their hand up and they're willing to say, and I want to make more money. So I feel like there is a a movement certainly, um, in the works, but I wish women in general, certainly myself included, felt freer to raise issues around compensation, felt freer to put their hands up and say they want more opportunity, more responsibility, and were less burdened by the potential outcomes of those kinds of conversations, less concerned about how they would be perceived. Um, on the flip side of that, Andrea, is how men perceive women who put their hands up and advocate for themselves. And that's obviously, uh, you know, a constant tension and something that I'm constantly working on as a leader and as a mentor. But I do wish women felt more free to raise their hands for opportunities and raise their hands when they feel like they deserve more in terms of compensation packages. Any thoughts on that and how we get more women into GC seats or, you know, in your case as a chief administrative officer into executive roles and how we close the the gender pay gap? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it starts at the top. And so I think creating strong relationships with our male executive counterparts is key to helping close the gap. I think we need to be able to have transparent, open and honest conversations with our male executive counterparts to say, listen, there is a pay gap. These are real statistics. This is the data. And let's all put our hands in and say, there's a way to rectify this. And that's all of us coming to an agreement that it needs to be changed. And then constantly looking at that data and constantly evaluating and making sure as executives, we're holding true to the fact that men and women in similarly situated jobs deserve to be paid the same. And I think it's really a collaborative effort between the women at the executive table and the men. So I think that's part one. And how to get more women in GC roles or in in business executive roles, I think really is um, goes to what I was mentioning earlier around mentorship, around sponsorship, and around leaning into those types of relationships. Most of my opportunities have been opened up by women who were more senior in their career and who had a better network and they heard of opportunities and they knew someone on the inside of these companies and they said, hey, listen, I have a fantastic candidate. You should meet her. And I think we talk a lot about mentorship, but the sponsorship side of it is that outreach. It's the opening doors. It's the reaching out and making personal connections. It's the raising women up in a way that really does more than just giving them sort of guidance and having coffee. It opens actual doors based on connections that we have 
as senior leaders. And I call my colleague and I say, I've got this fantastic candidate. You should interview her. That goes a long way. And that gets the foot in the door in a way that a resume and an application process never would. So I think it's about sponsoring women and helping them get that entry point that's so hard to come by, especially in the current market. Thank you for that. And that's a, a great point about the sponsorship as compared to and contrasted with the mentorship. Great, yeah. great point. Yeah, we're all committed to mentoring and it's an age old philosophy. But what I think needs to happen beyond mentoring is the actual outreach, the actual sponsorship, taking that person a step further than just telling them what you've done right and wrong in your career and saying, look, I know how hard this has been and I want to make it easier for you. Let me make this introduction. And then from there, it's up to the candidate to close the opportunity. But that introduction is so critical to actually getting the role. During your career, what would you say has been stronger? Restraints that you placed on yourself or restrictions placed on you by other people? Hmm. Good question. And I think certainly that has evolved over time. Um, when you're a young lawyer and you're learning the ropes and you're working with multiple different partners in a national law firm setting, I think it, there's conflict in the sense that the law firm can constrain you in some ways. They tell you what cases to work on, how many billable hours you need to bill, what partners you'll work with, what clients you'll service, and then they give you their expectations on how you do all of those things. So as a young lawyer, in many ways, the constraints placed on me by others outweighed those that I place on myself, which I think are now more relevant um, as a business professional who has the acumen and has the experience, I'm now only really limited by what I tell myself and where I'm willing to push myself and what I'm not willing to do. And similarly, um, as a mom to two young kids, there are some constraints that I uh, you know, put on myself for good reason, because I want to prioritize things beyond my career. And that's a choice that I make. And that's a balance that I have to strike and that I'm okay striking. And I think as I continue to evolve in my career, as my family, my kids get older, um, there may be another turn of that wheel and I may see constraints placed on me in the workforce again. So I think it really depends on where you are in your career, what role you hold, what competing obligations that you have as, as a working mom in my case. And there are several other things that factor into that. So I think really it's just changed as my career has changed and I've had to approach it just based on the scenario and the circumstances in front of me. So what advice would you offer to other ambitious women about workplace behavior? Hmm. Um, you are your own worst enemy and you are your own biggest advocate. I think tenacious business women who want to make their way to the leadership table are very hard on themselves. We're very critical of ourselves. We're constantly pushing the envelope and asking more of ourselves, more time, more detail, more focus, more consistency. So in that way, we are our own worst enemy. And on the flip side of that, we also have to know how to advocate for what we want as professionals. My mom used to say, and it's a philosophy that I live by every single day, you don't get 
what you don't ask for. And so as women working their way to the leadership table, if you see an opportunity that you want, ask for it. Maybe even if you don't see it, but you just want it and you want to create an opportunity that you think could add value to the company that you're servicing, the law firm that you're at, what have you, you have to be willing to stick your hand up and you have to be willing to ask for what you want. And if you can do that effectively, you can short circuit, I think, many years that it takes to get to the table. If you're willing to be a fierce advocate for yourself, willing to do what's right and willing to be a very competent professional, I think that's how you get there. And that's how you get there more quickly than what could be considered the typical ladder climbing, particularly that women have to do to make their way to the executive table. Casey, thank you so much. This has been Between the Legal Lines, where you have just heard from Casey Johnson, General Counsel and Chief Administrative Officer at Terminus. I am Andrea Bricka from Major Lindsay in Africa. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for a new story from another woman successfully operating Between the Legal Lines. If you have a story that you would like to share, please contact me at abricka at mlaglobal.com. Thank you. Discover how Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape at www.mlaglobal.com.